Hello, and thank you for joining us today as we have a conversation about how to navigate on your homeschool journey once you've made the decision to take that journey. Uh, my name is Judy. I am a retired uh, Sunlight Homeschool mom, um, educated three children with Sunlight curriculum from kindergarten through graduation. I also wear a number of different hats uh, working for Sunlight, um, one of which is potentially meeting some of you on uh, various conventions um, around the country. With me today um, is a good friend and co-worker, um, Sheila. Sheila, why don't you tell people a little bit about you? Okay. Um, I too am a retired homeschool mom of three kids and I homeschooled them all the way through. My oldest did go to private Christian school just for high school, but we started when he was in kindergarten and they are all now out in the world, moving on. <laughs> awesome. That was the goal, wasn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit today. I mean, we're going to have to dig deep to remember back when we were in these shoes, but it's not something you forget. Yeah. Um, homeschooling is a big decision. And so um, we're having this conversation today because perhaps some people who are listening in um, are listening to our school choice uh, series this week. And yesterday, maybe they listened to um, the episode on how to make the choice to homeschool. And we know that the decision-making doesn't stop there. Um, that initial decision is a big one, uh, but now we need to move on. And so you mentioned the other day, Sheila, when we were talking about this, that you kind of have to view homeschooling like a job. Do you remember what you shared? Yeah, I mean, you really are. Uh, you're starting a new job. You are now an educator. You have a very small class. Maybe it's only one person. Maybe you have five that you're going to be homeschooling, but it's still going to be smaller than a traditional school. So you are now the main uh, teacher, uh, janitor, cook <laughs> of your new school. Yes. Awesome. And most new jobs, when you take them on, will give you some sort of orientation or onboarding. And so that's what you can consider this. This is day one of your new job, and we are your orientation workshop. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about something really foundational first. Let's talk about keeping track, because you're going to be making a lot of decisions in the coming day. And I don't know about you, but I don't always keep all of those in my head. So how do people keep track of all those things? So I remember back in the day, I am a researcher. So anytime I'm going to take on a new thing, a new adventure, a new task, whatever it is, I like to do my research. And um, I remember, you know, very early on, this was before the days of smartphones and all those things where you could just take a picture. Um, we did a lot of copies of things. And um I had to corral all those pieces of paper and all those, you know, things that I had gathered information I had got gathered into one place. So it's really, really good to have some sort of um, notebook or planner or folder or maybe all of the above uh, in order to keep everything in one place. Because remember, um, you know, if everything has a place, you can find find it again. So having Having a place to keep all those notes, whether it's uh, curriculum research that you've done or talking to friends 
or finding out what your state or organization is. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but all those things needs to live somewhere. And so having some sort of filing system or a plant planner is the key so that you don't lose those things because otherwise you're like, oh, I put it here somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we just happen here at Sunlight to have a planner. Um, that we think you would find to be very helpful. Um, this planner has a lot of um, resources in it, a lot of templated pages. Um, I think one of the nice things I really like about this, hopefully everybody can see it, is um, it has an undated monthly schedule. So it doesn't matter um, whether you buy it and don't decide to homeschool until next year or whether you've already started and you need to start plugging things in, um, you can date this however works the best for you. Um, what are some of the other things? It's that got a three hole punch. So that way, if you do pick up some you know, um, informational material somewhere, you can three hole punch it and tuck that right in there. So it's all, all in one place. It will also, um, if you make the choice to go with sunlight as your curriculum, which we hope you do, um, our instructor's guide is also three hole punched. So you'll be able to integrate the two of these together, whether you make a smaller working binder. So one week at a time, you pull your curriculum materials out and the, the schedule page from your planner or whatever, um, you can actually integrate those two pieces together. They can work hand in hand. Um, there's also a student schedule in here, which uh, that's important. You're teaching your students, so you want to be able to schedule what they're doing, places to set goals. I mean, there's even uh, pages for meal planning in here. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that was one of the hardest things to kind of uh, get done with everything else that I was doing when I was homeschooling was making sure that we had meals planned for the week. Yeah, because that's one more hat that we still wear. You know, we can't lay that hat down. We still right. have to feed all the people they still want to eat. So, so again, just having it all in one place, corralled together. It's just, I, I like to call it my brain. My, my planner is my brain. And even in this di digital age, I still use a Google calendar for my, you know, appointments and things like that. But there's just something about having a place to be able to lay down all those, um, uh, on a day, daily, weekly ba basis, uh, you know, if your kids are doing music, if they're doing sports, it's just good to, to be able to lay, lay those out and see where your holes are, because that's where you're going to be doing the homeschooling is around those uh, dates that, that you have set mm -hmm. in stone. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like you, I, I do make use of a lot of digital tools, but I find that the act of writing something down tends to cement the information in my brain. Um, and it's easier for me to remember where it was I wrote it down. So all good reasons to have a planner. It is. Um, and we happen to really like ours. Yes. <laughs> so let's move on. One of the first things that you will need to do when you make the decision to homeschool is you have to notify your school district. Um, there's not a state in the country that doesn't require some sort of notification. Um, every state has different homeschool regulations, homeschool laws, but they all require that you let them know why your child is not sitting in a public school classroom um, in the fall, for sure. Um, yeah, 
raised in the Navy. My dad was in the Navy. And whenever we would move from base to base, we would have to notify the new school that we're here, you know, I'm going to be sending a kid to school. So, so anytime you change, uh, whether you move from state to state, you still need to know, notify the school. So it's no different. You are establishing a school in your home. It's a homeschool. And you need to let the school know that you are withdrawing your child from the public school um, board and enrolling them in your school. And so they will have on file, you know, child X is enrolled in a homeschool pro program in the state of whatever. And so um, there are certain, you know, there are certain um, hoops you need to jump through or, you know, rules that are in place. Every state is different. And so it is up to you to, to know what the, what the law is in your state. Um, it is legal to, to homeschool in all 50 United States. So, you know, you are allowed to, but every state has different requirements for uh, re registering your homeschool, for reporting to your homeschool, and that is homework that you will need to do. So you can, um, there's a number of ways you can find out what your state organization is. HSLDA.org stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Association. Okay. <laughs> um, so we just always call it that. So, <laughs> so if you go to HSLDA.org, you can find your state and there is a link on their website for what your state organization is. You can also just do a a search for homeschooling in and put your state and that will pop up. And usually those websites will have um, what the law is in your state, what the requirements are. Um, I live in the state of Flor Florida. So back in the day, I had to submit what is called a letter of intent. So I sent a, a, a hard copy. Uh, these days they probably would take an email, but back then it had to be a hard copy. And it had to include the child's name, their birth date, um, because depending on your school, you know, that's, that is going to determine what grade they're in or when they can start school and whether or not, or not you need to report for kindergarten. Some states require that you report for kindergarten. Some states require um, you can start reporting in first grade. So again, your state is going to be different. So we had to submit a letter of intent. And once they were enrolled in my homeschool, they were there until I unenrolled them. So my oldest child who went to private Christian school, I notified mm -hmm. the school that I was sending him to school, to this private school. And so he was no longer enrolled in my homeschool. The other two who graduated from my homeschool, I notified them that they have fulfilled the requirements of graduation and they are no longer in school, they have graduated. So, you know, so basically twice when you enroll them in your homeschool and when they graduate or you unenroll them, those are the two times that you will need to let them know um, that you are homeschooling or not. In the state of New York, where I homeschooled, um, it's very different. Um, home, New York state homeschooling um, is one of the most highly regulated states when it comes to homeschooling. And I had to notify my school district every year that I was going to homeschool my children. I did that same letter of intent, um, <clears throat> but I also, every quarter on dates that I set, had to submit a report to my school district that demonstrated academic progress 
um, for that quarter. So I might list um, that we did math lessons um, 10 through 25. Um, or I might give an average math test score, you know, my student um, math average this quarter is whatever. Um, <clears throat> I was also required um, when I um, sent in that letter of intent, which in, when I did it also had to be hard copy. Um, I also had to um, give them my plan. This is how I'm planning to educate my child. For math, I'm using this curriculum. Um, for history, I'm using this curriculum. Um, it was not so much a, do I have your permission kind of thing? It was more a, um, just so you're aware, this is what we're using to educate our children. And then we, at the end of the school year, um, New York State regulations require standardized testing um, in certain grade levels. Certainly every level of high school um, and every other year from fourth grade on up. So you really do need to find out what your state's specific regulations are um, and write it down. Um, like me, um, I had to, at the beginning of every year, schedule four reporting dates throughout the year, four quarterly report dates. It would go into my planner so that a week or two in advance, I knew I had to get that done so that I could send it in. Um, the other thing that planner is nice for is keeping a copy of what you send to your school district. Um, one year, my quarterly report got lost somewhere, whether it was in the mail or whether it was once it reached the school building, I don't know. But they came back to me and said, you're delinquent. Um, you have not submitted it. And I was able to pull it out and say, here's a copy dated um, of what I did send you. And can I send you a copy of what I already sent? So always keep record of what it is you're doing. You may live in a very um, homeschool free, um, laid back kind of state and you may never encounter any of those issues. Or um, you may live in a state like New York or Pennsylvania where the regulations are much more rigid or require more. Did it mean it was harder to homeschool? No, not at all. It just meant I had to have my ducks in a row. And that planner was a huge, huge benefit for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, very important to find out um, what your state requires and to make sure your school knows that you're homeschooling. So let's go on to some other things that folks will have to navigate. How about um, what, what is my homeschool going to look like? Um, I remember someone saying to me when I was very new to homeschooling, don't try to recreate the public school classroom in your, your house. Why not? Yes, I, I had friends who went to the, um, the school de depot where they would like get rid of old school supplies and they would buy school desks and blackboards and they created a school at home. They, they had taken an office or a bedroom and made it into a classroom um, because really that's how we were taught. And so that's what we know. And we, we work out of what we know. Um, and if, if that's really what you want to do, that is fine. But there is a better way. <laughs> um, there is no reason to, to school at home because you get to do things differently. As the administrator, as the teacher, as the principal, you know, you, you get to decide 
what your school is going to look like and and to be able to uh, take tailor it for your kids and their needs a little bit of my story. Uh, I have three three kids. Two of the three kids are dyslexic. And now we know that they're ADD. I didn't know it at the time. I thought my boy was just a boy. He's a little boy. He's just active. Uh, but actually, looking back now, had he gone to school, it would have been very hard for him. I mean, he is now excelling. He's in finance. He's doing really, really well. But had he had to sit in a desk six hours a day, et cetera, et cetera, I don't, I don't know that he would be where he is now because he was able to, um, to be himself. And um, I was, I allowed for him to move around, get the wiggles out. Um, also with the dyslexia, we didn't know he was dyslexic. He's kindergarten, he's five It's you know, we just, he wasn't uh, picking up on re reading as quickly as I'd hoped, but we just kept at it. And so uh, so if you recreate school at home, then it's going to look a certain way and you feel like you're not doing a good job if it doesn't look like a traditional classroom. My husband would come home for lunch and the kids are sprawled all over the couch, all over the floor while I'm reading to them. He's like, this doesn't look like school. And then I would I would tell, tell him, ask them everything they know about giraffes because we were doing science and so he would quiz them on giraffes and they, they knew so much because they were able to absorb the material because they weren't concentrating on sitting still in their desks or you know raising their hand to talk or whatever. Mm -hmm. So so there's so much freedom in homeschooling. You get to choose the curriculum, you get to choose how you do it, you get to choose your schedule, you get to choose if you do it inside or outside. You can take it to the park, you can take it to the beach, um, you can take it on the road if your husband tra travels. It's so liberating. So don't let don't bind yourself with the um, paradigm of what school should look like. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in our case, my husband worked a midnight shift. And so he would come home um, at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. And before he headed off to bed, he would do math with the kids because he was our math teacher. In fact, there were many days where I would be in the kitchen um, doing cleaning up from breakfast or whatever while he was teaching math and I would suddenly hear my kids start giggling um, and math is not typically a subject that inspires laughter so I would peek around the corner and find that he had fallen asleep mid-sentence and so um, but it, that was the best time for him to teach and then we had a very quiet homeschool um, if we needed to move and we did um, then we would go outside, we would go to a park, we, you know, we would find other places to do our schooling because we lived in a small house and dad was asleep in a room not very far away from where we were doing school. And so um, we just had to flex with that. Um, a, a, a desk and a blackboard would not have worked for us. It may work, like you said, it may work really well and there's nothing wrong with it if that's what you're most comfortable with, but don't allow yourself to be bound by that picture in your head from your experience in the classroom. Enjoy that freedom. Um, and there is nothing wrong. Uh, we have a coworker who talks often about um, her wiggly boys and she would, you know, get done with math and then she'd get them up and out the door 
and make them run a couple of laps around the house and bring them back inside. And then they were ready to do something else. And, you know, that's legitimate. And it worked. Back, back in the old days, they actually had recess where kids would go out and burn some of that pent yeah. up energy. But these days, not every school does that. So, you know, so think think back about some of those things that may maybe you used to do that were good, like letting your kids have a break from time time to time you don't have to school for six hours straight you can take breaks and come back um you know and re refocus take a take a new subject and 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 go with it but it doesn't have to look like you know the bell ringing and <laughs> true um, the other thing that I found very liberating about um, not bringing school home was that I could integrate learning with um, my everyday chores. Um, we spent a lot of time in the kitchen together. I love to bake. I love to cook. And what better way is there for kids to get real life experience with math and measuring and science, you know, chemical reactions, um, then to cook with them. And so you have that freedom and they don't have to wait until they're old enough to go to a home economics class um, in school. So yeah, just embrace that freedom, really. Yeah, and really lear learning ha happens all day long. Yes, you have, you know, your, your, your books that you're trying to get through. And so you are going to have, you know, from nine to two or eight to noon or however you want to plan out your day. But just because the school books are put away does not mean learning has to stop. Since you are the primary te te teacher of your kids, you know the things that they're learning. So if you're out and about running errands or going to the park and you see some something that ties in with what you've learned, you can you can make those connections. So really lear learning is all like school is always on. Field yes. trips, you know, if you go with your husband on a work trip, we did, we did that a lot. Um, I would always look for those brown signs that tell you there's some kind of historical something, something or park. Um, we had a reciprocating membership with the kids museum. So any new city we went into, we're like, oh, I wonder if we can get in and more times than not, we could. So we would go explore kids museums and other towns. And so learning is becomes a lifestyle. It is not, okay, I'm done. You know, the school's closed. Now, now life begins. Nope. It is, it is a lifestyle that you just adopt and learning becomes fun. You get to learn with your kids. I learned so much with my kids um, and, and they will want to continue to learn after they leave your homeschool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's tackle the elephant in the room, the biggest decision that most people feel they uh, need to make when they start homeschooling, and that is curriculum. So where did you start when you looked for what was going to be your curriculum material? Uh, when you're young and you think you know it all, you know, I, I do have an education degree. So I was like, I, I can teach. I'm going to do this. I will write my own curriculum. It'll be great. And then, um, and then we moved to the town where we live now before I even began. So I had a four, four year old when, when we moved and a new friend from church, from our new church, uh, told me that there was a, a, a homeschool convention in town. And so she gave me the, the little brochure that had what all the workshops were. And, uh, and she had circled the ones that she was going to. So I was like, wow, this is great. Because remember, I love to research. So I went to this homeschool convention and 
um, went to hear different speakers and, and all the different vendors. And this was, mind you, 23 years ago, much smaller <laughs> convention hall than there is now. And I was overwhelmed by all the options. And I just happened to go to a workshop on a curriculum that I was like, I've never heard of anything like this. And it was a literature-based curriculum. And I was an English major. I love to read. Um, and then I got my master's in education. And I was like, is this allowed? Can you just sit and read? And it counts for school? Okay, I'm going to try it. I had a kindergartner, a three-year-old, the baby. So I figured, what's the harm? It's just kindergarten. How bad can it be? If it's really, really bad, next year, we'll just, you know, first grade. Or if we need to repeat kindergarten, it's not a big deal. And oh my word, we were enamored from the get-go because you get to just sit and read together. I mean, you, you do math, you write, there's, you know, there is more to just the re reading, but it is not what, what, what I was used to. History was so boring to me because it was just textbook, you know, chapter one, read the, read the chapter, do the questions, take a test. Chapter two, questions, test, ad not nauseum. Dates, names, who cares? Um, but when you learn history through a literature approach, history is just, it comes to life. It is in the context of a story and it is so much more interesting to learn history that way. So I fell in love. My kids loved to be read too. So they were, you know, they loved it too. I mean, they didn't know any different. I had not brought my kids home from school. So there was not a learning curve for us because this is just what we were do doing and it worked. Um, there are like philosophies of education, and I did research philosophies of, of education as well. So, you know, that may be something you want to look into, uh, a literature-based curriculum. There are several approaches to that. Um, the Charlotte Mason approach is, it comes from the 1800s. A woman named Char Char Charlotte Mason used uh, real living books is what she called it to teach, which is similar to what Sunlight Curriculum is. Um, but there's classical, there's the traditional, there's unit studies, there's unschooling, there's all these different types. So you're going to want to choose something that fits you and your personality and your kids' needs. Um, so it's okay to make a decision and then make a different decision as you move, you know, the train moves along down, down the track. It's okay. So you make the best decision that you can with the information that you have. You can pull your friends, you can, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of Facebook groups that where you can get information now. So there's so many different places. Um, it, it can it can almost be too too much. It can it can get overwhelming. Talk to your husband, talk to a trusted friend who might be homeschooling, pray about it. And then once you make your decision, jump in, um, put the blind blinders on because the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Um, but that's not true. It just looks great greener. It's the angle of the light and, you know, um, and so then if you do need to make course corrections, uh, it's okay. It's not, you haven't failed. If you make one decision and figure out you need to do some, something else, that's okay. Um, you are discovering your kids. You're discovering their learning styles, their, their gifting, um, their holes. Maybe if you're pulling a child out of school, uh, they, you're, you're uncovering 
deficiencies that they may have. Maybe they didn't learn their math facts or maybe their reading is not as strong as you thought, thought it was. So as you uncover things about your kids, then you can say, okay, hmm, I need to, I need to address this thing. So whether you get a tutor or you step a math pro program down, you get a different math program, that's not a prop problem. Um, the biggest thing is just jumping in and start starting. It's funny um, to listen to your story because I was the same way. Um, I love reading. And when it came time um, to choose an education approach for our kids, I thought, well, it's got to be something that's centered around books. And and I'm a, a smart, intelligent person. I don't have a degree in teaching, um, but I did go to college and I did get a degree and I thought I can do this. I can write my own curriculum. And for the first year, two years, I did. And I loved it. I went to the library and I decided what our topics were going to be and pulled the books and wrote the schedule and I was in heaven. And then baby number three came to our house <clears throat> and that um, little baby had medical issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so we spent the next year in and out of hospitals. There was testing. Um, there were doctor's appointments. There were surgeries. And my time became very, very focused on meeting the needs of this child. And my ability to write my program, you know, went out the window. And so it was at that point in time that a friend happened to introduce me to a literature-based curriculum called Sunlight. Um, and I had a chance to look at her instructor's guide and thought, well, this looks very similar to what I'm already doing, but somebody else has done all the work. Um, what a gift. And so, you know, we, we went with Sunlight and never looked back. But um, like Sheila, like you said, um, finding what you're comfortable with um, it is really very important. You know, a, a literature-based program has a great deal of flexibility built in. Um, maybe you're not a person that does well with flexibility. Maybe you need a very, very uh, structured program. You're going to have to think about that and, and take a look at different curriculum options. And a convention is a great place to do that. Um, in this digital age, most major curriculum companies have samples of their materials online, just like Sunlight does. And so you can actually look at the curriculum without being on a convention floor. So invest that time. Um, and then I wholeheartedly agree. Once you decide, you know, stop looking. It's okay to admire what other people are doing, but if what you chose works for you, then don't go for the next best thing. Um, stick with it. There is value in being consistent. Um, with what you choose to go with. And nothing says you can't change if it's not working. Um, you didn't goof, you didn't ruin your kids. You, you know, you just need to make a course erection, like Sheila said. So once you make that decision and you get all the things and the boxes show up, you know, from the FedEx truck out front, now you have all this stuff um, in a household, which if it's full of kids already has stuff in it. And so what do we do with all this stuff? So like I said, we did not have a classroom. Like we did not create, some people have a bonus room above the you know, garage. That's a playroom that they can convert to a school room. And if you have that, that's great. Cause you are, mm -hmm. you have like 
magic space where you can put all, all the things. We didn't have that. <laughs> um, and so we just, I mean, our home was not a model home by any means because we had bookcases, floor to ceiling, three of them. Um, eventually, well, we didn't start with three, but you know, eventually we had to keep uh, buying bookcases. And so it became part of our decor for a time. Um, Remember, my kids are graduating gone. My house now looks like a model home because, because I'm not in that stage anymore. It's, it's just a sea season. Uh, but yeah, so you are going to have to find a place for your new things. So, oh, we could get into, I love organization. We could talk for an hour about that. But uh, the very short ver version is get rid of stuff, declutter, make space, um, find a place. So whether it's a bookshelf, uh, chesser drawer, you know, it could be uh, a rolly cart, it could be bins under the bed. I mean, you know, you need to find a space where you can access your mater materials in a timely manner. So the attic is probably not a good idea. If you have a basement, maybe you know you you can have a bookshelf in the basement where you you can keep things, um, and then that. Uh, instructor's guide, your binder is also like a bookshelf. That's, that is your schedule. It is your lesson plans. It is your notes. It is your answer key. It is so much. So having that instructor's guide, again, if you're buying with sunlight curriculum, you get fully planned out lesson plans that you can follow, but it is flexible. So you can tweak. And then having the um, the plant planner is is also you know you can put them side 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 by side so you will need a place for your things because you will have your instructor's guide and your planner and the main history book that you're reading from and maybe the read aloud and the um, answer manual for the math book and so there are things that you will have and you will need a place for um, each child will need to have a place for their materials and then you'll need a place for the stuff that you're not currently using so like the week 29 things um so like i said we could we could talk a lot about organization but i will be brief um yeah it, we both live in the organization world and so we both get off on talking about new and exciting ways to organize things um just to tack on to what sheila said the opportunity for my kids to have one location where their stuff was kept. We happened to use um, Rubbermaid baskets. They, they were very sturdy. They were large enough to hold textbooks and pencils and notebooks. And <clears throat> we had a mantra in our house, everything has a place, a place for everything, and everything goes back to its place. And so part of our schedule, which we'll talk about in just a minute, was at the end of the day, all of your stuff better go back home. Um, because the following day, if you say to me, I can't find my pencil, I'm gonna say, not my problem. Because you know where your stuff belongs and you know where it needs to live. And if your stuff is not there, then you as a parent teacher need to come up with creative ways for how you resolve that. Um, we did a number of different things. If you didn't have pencils, couldn't find your pencils, um, then you had to buy them from the school teacher. Um, and so part of your allowance went toward the tools that you needed and I provided for you, um, but you didn't take care of them. So really organization for us made our life run much more smoothly um, because organizing my homeschool 
gave me much more elbow room and space to be able to keep up with all the other things that had to go on um, in my household. Um, disorganization, um, we were talking before we started this conversation, I had piles on my desk. I don't well, work well, and studies have shown that most people don't work well in a disorganized space. And so you are providing for your children an ultimate best case environment for them to work in when your stuff is organized. And for a lot of other reasons, which we will make ourselves stop at this point. Um, <clears throat> but that organizing your materials is something you should invest time in. And maybe a, even a little bit of money in bookcases. <laughs> yes. And remember, even in that, you can flex. So maybe you set up a system this year, uh, but then you find, you know what, I could really use um, some drawers to keep the pens and the pencils and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to find something on um, a, a used site where I can have a small uh, chest of drawers like that one, where you can keep all your things in. And then if you have more kids and that is not big enough, you can upgrade, you know, so, so just because you figure some, something out the first year, it's okay if you tweak it the following year. So the bookcases that are sitting behind Ju Judy are great. They have cup, cup, cubbies you can put baskets in there that hide stuff so every kid can have a basket that they can dump their things in and it doesn't look messy you put the basket in it's nice and clean yep absolutely well let's talk about that schedule that I made reference to earlier and here's another place where you have to be flexible um, every aspect of your homeschooling is going to need to flex as your children grow older when you start um, in the kindergarten, first grade years, um, you are spending a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with your kids. They need that tutorial experience with you. And maybe you have uh, an infant in the household as well. That's going to hugely impact your schedule. But when your kids get to middle school and everybody can feed themselves and is potty trained and um, you know can get up and get dressed in the morning, now you have a, a different schedule because your kids can do some of their work independently. And that should be a goal to help them to learn to become independent learners. And by golly, once you get to high school, now kids have part-time jobs and um, they're volunteering or they should be, you know, for some, and your schedule changes all over again. So let me start this little conversation about scheduling by saying it will change even from one year to the next. So maybe Sheila share, um, you know, a personal experience about how your schedule uh, best worked for your family. So I tried several different things. I tried having a, you know, every hour, a certain thing. So we started at eight and then at nine, we do this and at 10, we do this. And, um, and that was not as good. I can get a little bit hung up on things like that. So we found that what worked best for us was more of a routine and not a schedule. So we didn't have a, a bell that went off like at school. Um, but sometimes I used a time timer because my kids might dawdle. And so I would set a 20 minute timer, a 15 minute timer, whatever I thought was a reasonable amount for what I wanted them to work on. Um, and I have boys, boy, boy, girls. So I have boys that would love to race the timer, you know, could they beat the timer? And so that was great because then they finished their math worksheet and we could move on. Um, 
part of our flow was we would alternate table and couch su su subjects. And what I mean by that is that um, some of the materials that you will have are considered couch. Uh, they are not skill-based su subjects, so you can teach those things to more than one child. There's no reason to teach first and second grade history. It's just history. So you can teach it together um, with, you know, with within about a three year span. Uh, same with science, same with bi Bible, same with re read aloud. So those are the couch ones. The ta table ones are the skill based ones. So those are the things that you would typically do at a desk or a kitchen ta table. And they're going to be things like handwriting or penmanship, um, creative writing, math, Again, there's always a pencil involved and you need a surface to, to write, write it on. So I found that if we spent too much time at the ta table, my kids would wiggle, they would complain. Um, and, and our good rhythm that we had would fall apart. So I found that if we alternated, you know, we would move to the couch and do history. And then we move to the table and do math and move back to the couch and do science and move back to the ta table and do write writing. Um, it, it, it gave a natural break to the su subject. So you can put your books away, get out the new books. It, it helped to keep uh, the chaos under control because things just didn't pile up. You put some, something away, you get the next thing out. Um, it allowed the legs to move a little bit. It allowed me to run to the bathroom. Sometimes I'd run and throw a load in the washer while the kids were getting their things in, or I may have to make a doctor's appointment real quick and I'd make a phone call. Um, I found I needed to set an alarm in the morning for me because I'm the type of person that wants to do one more thing. Oh, I'll just, you know, I've got to get the meat out to defrost. Oh, let me throw in a load. Oh, I got to make that call. And before I know it, it's 10 o'clock and I haven't start, st started school. So the alarm was for me, but when the alarm went off, it also let the kids know that school was about to start. So if they hadn't brushed their teeth, if they hadn't had breakfast, like they had a very little amount of time to, to get that because, you know, mom is getting her things together and school was about to start. So I wasn't super ri rigid about the times. Um, if my kids would drag things out, uh, we were the only homeschooling fam fa family on the on the block. So when the, the school let out, I have a school literally in my backyard. When the school let out and all the neighborhood kids would come and knock, can Tommy play? I'm like, mm, Tommy, are you done with your math? No, Tommy can't play. And so that mo motivated my kids to get their schoolwork done because they wanted to be free to be able to play with the neighborhood kids. And maybe you don't live in a place where, you know, that's a thing, but maybe you need to leave for um, soccer or maybe you need to leave for music lessons or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe that can be your... I guess we're not going to go to soccer if you don't get your school schoolwork done or you don't get screen screen time or you know whatever it is that will act as a motivator for your kids to be timely and to keep going uh my middle son figured out very early on if he got his schoolwork done he was free so he would wake up at 6 a.m and come out and grab his math book you know he'd rub his eyes because he knew that if he finished school by 10, he was done. I wasn't going to find more work for him to do. So that motivated him and, and it's paid off. I mean, in college, he, he got his work done because he learned early on um, how to ma manage his time. 
And I think um, this is true um, as were the other topics we talked about. You have to figure out how a schedule fits your family need and um, who your kids are, what you know about your children. Um, I mentioned earlier that my husband worked a midnight shift. Well, he didn't work that forever. And after a while, he changed to a day shift. And so our schedule had to flex. Um, we could be louder during the day when dad was gone and not sleeping in the next room. Um, and so we adapted as those things came on. Other things are going to change your schedule. Um, people may be ill. I talked about one of our kids needing, um, you know, different surgical procedures. We had to work around that. And so um, I did very similar to what you did, Sheila. The first couple of years, I tried the eight o'clock math, nine o'clock spelling, 10 o'clock science. That, that didn't work very long at all because I get very ornery when I have a schedule written on paper and we're not following it. And so, so I had to get to the place where we had a flow, we had a routine. And, and I really think no matter what your uh, family personality is or your um, schedule looks like that um, giving yourself a routine is much more flexible and freeing than tying yourself to a schedule that is very hard to flex. Because the other thing that happens when you're tied to a schedule is you get behind very easily. And now not only are you push, push, pushing to catch up, but you're discouraged because you're behind. And, and that's not a fun environment um, to learn in or to work in. Um, I also um, agree with Sheila. Kids, you know, they're really smart. They come smart. They look for ways to beat the system. Um, you know, and, and Sheila's middle son figured out he could get his schoolwork done early, so he was free. You know, kids find different ways to, uh, I lost my, my workbook or whatever. Um, the frustrating part about that for me was I began to feel like I was responsible for that. And this was, you know, they were in a battle with me and we were constantly butting heads until I realized that there were some very natural consequences to their choices. And a friend of mine said to me, this is the mantra in our house. Your choices have consequences. Your choices have consequences. I didn't choose to make your math lesson take an hour and a half. You did. Um, and just I learned to be very upfront with my kids. Here are the consequences to your not finishing your math. Um, today, it means that when the rest of us go to the library to take out books, which my kids love to do, you get to stay home with dad and do your math because you didn't get your math done. Um, and so I, one of my biggest recommendations would be look for simple, concrete consequences to choices and realize and, and let the choices um, determine the consequences. So then you don't become the big stick carrying, you know, school teacher who says, ah, you blew it. No. Um, after a while, they begin to learn. Um, that they're in charge of those consequences so they can make those choices. And what a wonderful lesson to learn for adult life as well. So we are running really short on time because this is a topic we're both passionate about. So um, we would like, I think, to end with just a little bit of encouragement. Um, we've covered a lot of things. Um, some of it may have seemed somewhat scattered, 
Um, but um, please know that you can do this. Um, we all go on this homeschool journey, but our paths are very different. Um, your family does not look like my family, does not look like Sheila's family. Every family is different. And so remember that you can course correct, like Sheila said, and you just have to decide based on the information you have in the moment. And the decision that you make today may not work six months from now, and that's okay. Um, and we both, that's Sheila's hair, it's, this is mine. We did not tear our hair out. And our children all still love us and we still communicate with our children and get together um, on a regular basis with our children. I even have grandchildren that are now homeschooling with sunlight. So although on a day-to-day -day basis, it may seem like your children are never going to speak to you again and they certainly won't like you, um, nothing could be further from the truth. Sheila, your thoughts on an encouraging word. Yes. Um, I want to let you know that there is going to be a learning curve, right? Any new job you take on, you, you don't start a job knowing exactly what you're doing. You, you learn along the way. Um, remember when you had that newborn baby, your very first newborn baby. And if you're watching this about homeschooling, I'm assuming you have a kid. So that brand new newborn baby, when you felt like you needed 14 arms and 16 pillows and all the things, um, you didn't think you'd ever figure out how to birth the baby, change the baby, bathe the baby. I mean, there's so many things. You were brand new and you had probably a mom or a friend or a sister who helped you uh, learn the ropes. And, and that's the same thing here. Uh, with Sunlight Curriculum, there is an app that you can join. It's free and you have mentors. I'm one of the mentors on the app. Uh, there are six of us and we help people um, answer questions if you can't find something, you don't know how to do something or just need prayer. Uh, you know, we are here for you. We are so passionate about homeschooling because we saw what a wonderful thing it was in our own fam families and with our own kids. The memories that we made are priceless. And so I just want to encourage you, you can do it. Uh, you don't, just because I have an education degree, I learned how to give tests, which I never gave in homeschool. So that's not what, what you learn when you get an education degree. You learn to manage a classroom. You don't have a classroom. So really, you can do this. Sunlight has the instructor's guide. It's all laid out for you. You, it, you, just, it, you just follow. It's like a checklist. You just follow the checklist. Um, when you create that routine, it, it lets your kids know what the next thing is. So they're not constantly, mommy, 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 what are we doing next? So you will get into a flow. Um, it's going to take time, but you will get there. And, and at the end of the first year, you'll look back going, oh, I did it. I did it. And, and, and we're alive. <laughs> and hopefully you will lo love it as much as we, we have. So I just do. I want to encourage you that you can do, do this thing. And I, I do not regret the years that I have given to ra raising my kids in this way. Well, thank you, Sheila. I always enjoy chatting with you on this subject, especially. And so this has been a treat for us. And we hope that you walk away with some very practical um, ideas for starting and launching your homeschool journey. Okay. A giveaway. Yes, we are. We are going to give away one of these sunlight 
homeschool planners that we raved about in the video today. And so watch the chat information um, for this session and you will see instructions how to be entered in the giveaway for this planner. <laughs>